0: Thank you so much for your patience with us as we took a couple of weeks off due to illness.
1: Yeah, Kristen was sick.
0: I wonder how she got sick.
1: We need to do this record so we can go get hot chicken poutine.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Because, you know, we're adults who make wise decisions with our money. And And breakfast plans. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta get some hot chicken poutine in a... uh, Cinnamon roll chicken sando.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter. And today we are beginning the ultimate book of this series wow. The Last Battle. Finally. As is tradition, we will begin with chapter one. This chapter is titled By Cauldron Pool.
1: Mm-hmm. Cauldron spelled wrong. Is it? Well, if it's named after like an actual cauldron, there's a U in cauldron, there's no U in cauldron pool. But okay,
0: so by Cauldron Pool,
1: Uh,
0: uh uh, and we are beginning the last battle. So, I, of course, am a banana dealer in the local town, also known as Kristen, and this is my co host.
1: all the options
0: what were you gonna be a vendor of oranges and bananas I
1: was gonna say I run a market stall in Shippingford
0: <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of the town though it so yours is better
1: it was Shippingford um I'm a I'm a hunter way out west who doesn't matter in this story
0: okay <laughs> also no man it's Chris I'm glad you had a backup Yep. Yeah. Mm.
1: <laughs> Cool. Hey, we're in the last book. We are. We're finally going to finish this stupid, stupid project that we started two it's years ago. It's not a
0: stupid project. It's fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Us
0: a reason to interact with each other. <laughs> <'Cause>
1: the, <laughs> it's so hard coming up with those. Yeah, true. All right. Well, how do we start this, Kristen?
0: Well, we begin with a summary Um, after our banter, of course. And our summaries are done as follows. We read the chapters and we select five sentences out of the chapter in an attempt to convey the plot of the chapter in the chapter's own words.
1: Most of the time we succeed, even.
0: Whoa. I know. That is quite a statement because then why would we need to proceed into a discussion of the chapter (laughs) on a point-by-point basis if we succeeded in communicating the plot?
1: Uh, because we have to analyze the plot
0: Ah, I see, I see So we're not we're not discussing the plot, we're analyzing it Yes Understood Alright, well, Chris, would you like to read your summary first?
1: Sure, I'll do that My summary is as follows There were very few talking beasts, or men, or dwarves, or people of any sort in that part of the wood But Shift had one friend and neighbor who was a donkey called Puzzle One morning, early in the year, the pair of them were out walking along the shore of the cauldron pool. But the ape never looked at him, or asked him how he felt. We'll make this skin into a fine, warm winter coat for you. If anyone saw you now, they'd think you're Aslan, the great lion himself.
0: You did a good job with that. You found some good sentences. I read the chapter and then went back and tried to do my summary like a full two days later. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... It shows. It shows. It shows. (laughs) Okay. So so here is my summary. Mm -hmm. In the last days of Narnia, far up to the west, beyond Lantern Waste, and close beside the great waterfall, there lived an ape. Oh, it wasn't a talking lion, said Shift. Come and try on your beautiful lion skin coat, said Shift. But if someone who had never seen a lion looked at Puzzle in his lion's skin, he just might mistake him for a lion if he didn't come too close and if the light was not too good and if Puzzle didn't let out a bray or didn't make any noise with his hooves. At that moment, there came a great thunderclap right overhead and the ground trembled with a small earthquake.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Ending on an ominous note. Yep. Uh, so, Hey. We're in the last book. We are. Let's discuss the chapter. Let's do. Um, So first impressions. This is a really weird style shift for yeah. the book opening.
0: This is the very first book of the series that has started in Narnia proper.
1: Yeah, and without any human characters. This is just like following two beasts. This is also the first time in Narnia, I believe, that we ever mention an ape existing.
0: I that might be true. I mean, they yeah. may have been like a background character in a scene somewhere. Yeah, we certainly
1: have never had a character.
0: Correct. We haven't had a named ape, yeah. ape unless it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. At some point, I can't remember even what book it was, but we had a discussion about whether or not apes were even a thing that existed in Narnia because they're never mentioned.
0: Well, I feel like there was in the Arkinland one in the Horse and His Boy. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a, a, an ape that was, like, some soothsayer or something that was mentioned. Maybe. Because they, uh, when we talk about, like, Corin beating the bear and all of that stuff out of his wildness and back into civilization.
1: Corin Thunderfist. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Something Same. like that. I don't know. It just, I feel like, I seem to remember there being an ape of some kind mentioned there. Hm. Okay. Uh,
1: but anyway, this... this gives me very much almost like an Aesop's Fable kind of vibe. It seems very, uh, it's very deep allegory. Well, let's, let's, it's very allegory. I'm not going to use the word deep here. (laughs) Um, because I think, I think it's very obvious. Yeah. Allegory. Um, but it is very Fable-like. It gives me that kind of vibe. And I like it. I like it to the opening of a book. And I, I think this is my favorite first chapter of the series
0: interesting okay far
1: it's like i i really liked the you really like there being no human characters yeah and like the like this very aesop type of vibe like i really am into it so let's talk so in the i mean i don't know unless you want to give any first impressions you've read this book before
0: i have not read it to its completion i believe
1: Ooh, are we actually going to encounter new narnia content that Kristen isn't aware of
0: if i've only tried to read this book once and i don't know if i ever finished it Um, that said, the first thing that struck me was that this book is set not in our world, but in Narnia. Mm -hmm. And that this feels like the first book that's about Narnia and not about some kids. Like, and even it says, in the last days of Narnia.
1: It's a powerful opening line.
0: Yeah, and I might have sneaked a peek at the next chapter. Kristen. The opening line of the (sighs) next chapter says something about the last of the kings of Narnia. Mm-hmm. So this is very much like about the end of Narnia is what it feels like because it's starting here in the last days of Narnia. And yeah, it's it's a very interesting take. There's also an interesting idea of the wilds to the west where there's no talking beasts, but there's still men, no. which I find a little odd because it's a very weird structure I don't know. It's weird because in Narnia, there was all of this, like, prophecy about sons of Adam and daughters of Eve returning to Narnia. Mm -hmm. And so it feels really weird to then, like, further develop the worlds around Narnia and be like, yeah, no, there's humans living off in the wilds outside. There were Telmarines who came from the wilds. There's all of Arkenland and Calorman and all of these islands off the coast that all have humans on them. Like
1: Narnia is the one place that didn't have humans.
0: (laughs) It does feel that way. And it's a little weird because like a lot of these people have to have been descendants of of King Frank Mm -hmm. and we don't really have any kind of understanding of why Narnia didn't have humans and why there was prophecy about them why they
1: left in the first place. I mean, yeah. we, we talk a little bit about how, like...
0: Because when Susan and 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 the four Pevensies were... When the four Pevensies were ruling in Narnia, they went down to Kellerman and it was a thriving place. Yeah. So, like, no two sons of Adam and daughters of Eve had ever come up to Narnia? Apparently
1: not. Well, I mean, we, we talk a little bit about how when, when Jadis took power, she, like, ran out any rulers or anything that were in narnia and killed a lot of the royal family or whatnot
0: yeah but everybody talks about like there was a book on tumdus's shelf that said is man a myth yeah there's an entire two civilizations to the south of them
1: yeah that's... of humans hey look lewis is being inconsistent in his lore um <laughs> anyway
0: that's not about this book but anyway this book presented this idea of people off to the west yeah killing non-talking lions and throwing their skins away
1: which why would you why would you do that
0: yeah why would you waste the skin
1: um it's, it's what i say every time i'm eating fried chicken <laughs> it's got fried chicken on the brain today yes, um did. so anyway we introduced who our two characters for this chapter because there are only two characters in this chapter uh and one is an old ape old clever ape named shift and one is a donkey who is his friend slash servant named puzzle
0: yeah puzzle thinks that it is very kind of shift to be his friend uh-huh but like shift is also a little monstrous to puzzle
1: yeah well let's let's talk about the names really quick because i like going into like this very fable type feel of it like these are very allegorical names they are uh, so... More so
0: than any other names that we've had in all of Narnia. It's very out of character for Lewis's Narnia characters to have names that are, like, Aslan meant lion in Turkish. But, like, that was the closest thing we've had so far to yeah. a a symbolic name Yeah, that wasn't, you know, like, royal Peter and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So what do you... I mean, what impression do you get from these names? Like, what do you what do you think these are kind of referring to here?
0: I don't. Puzzle seems like a weird one because shift. I honestly, I keep wanting to put an R in his name and call him Shrift. Uh huh. And I think I think there's something about that desire to slip that extra letter in there that affects my ability to appreciate his name. Uh huh. Because I want I want him to be like shrewd and shifty and monstrous Mm -hmm. and a shrift seems to fit that more than shift for me yeah um but he's very controlling Uh uh-huh in a way that i don't feel like shift fully encompasses if that makes sense
1: it's a very manipulative yeah very
0: manipulative
1: Mm -hmm. and Um. then
0: puzzle i don't get it i like and Maybe that's the point. Like, <laughs> it's a puzzle and I don't understand. Wow. But Puzzle is kind of this dumb donkey who is being manipulated by Shift.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very stereotypical characters as far as, like, animal <clears throat> uh, stories go. Like, we have the stupid donkey. We have the tricky ape. Like, they're, they're you know, very on point as far as uh, the stereotypes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um anyway so shift has this relationship with the donkey puzzle where the donkey is basically his servant and he thinks that's uh, a privilege to be so because shift is so clever yeah and uh you know it's it's great that shift is even friends with him because why would you be friends with a stupid donkey uh but one morning they're taking a walk and they walk down by a cauldron pool hey look we have pool imagery
0: hey look at the pool Uh uh-huh yeah no and i and i wanted to talk about the pool imagery as well Mm because we've we've had repeated pool imagery throughout the whole series yeah and this is just one more example of a pool being a like a a form of transportation if you will where this item ends up in shift's possession
1: yes and it delivers something it is a it's a vessel or a you know a what am I trying to think of? I, I want to say the word doorway. It's not a doorway. It's a. I don't know.
0: Communicator transportation.
1: I don't know. it's something that brings about change. Ah, okay. Um, I, 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 there's a, there's a word I'm trying to think of that I'm not going to get to until we're, we're like eating chicken later. But yeah. Um, but there's this waterfall that comes down into it, and they're walking along the pool, and they see something fall down the waterfall into the water and shift something is yellow shift is immediately this like ermagird we need to go figure out what that is it might be something useful which and the
0: puzzles just like but do we really though
1: which is an interesting kind of thought like if you're if you're walking along a river and you see something floating in it from a distance you're like have you ever been like oh no we immediately have to go in and get that because it might be something useful for us like it's a I mean I don't know, it it's a is a weird jump to, it's a, to make. It's a
0: very selfish and very self-centered view which is kind of what we expect from Shift at this point.
1: Yeah. You know, two pages in this is what we expect from Shift.
0: Oh. It does <laughs> it is heavy-handed and triggering the amount of like manipulation and the weight. Like I I struggled to read Shift talking to Puzzle.
1: Uh-huh. It
0: is brutal. Mm-hmm. It is brutal. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, I have, I have a really hard time reading it.
1: He'd be a really great villain for this book. I don't know if he is, but like, already really well written. Like, I him. hate
0: him already. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to read any more of his dialogue because uh-huh. he's a monster.
1: Yeah, he's he's a much better manipulator than Jadis ever was. True. <laughs> oh, so she could she could take some lessons here. Uh, but anyway. And they have this whole discussion about uh, shift convincing puzzle that he has to go into the water and figure out what this thing is because oh you know apes have weak chests and they're gonna he's gonna die if he goes in. He's gonna get cold. Yeah, obviously he's uh, he's got to send the donkey in to to fetch this thing. Puzzle goes into the water, uh, almost drowns. Uh, very nearly drowns. There is one line here I did want to point out. Um. Then he went under altogether for a few seconds, and when he came up again, he was in quite another part of the pool. And that just made me think of, like, you know, kind of a nod to the Wood Between Worlds yeah. of, like, going in and coming up somewhere else. Yeah. And I feel like this, this is might almost be intentional, where, like, this is a, you know, a shift in perspective or something. Yeah, there's there's a, something this that is happens a transition.
0: Here. Something is happening. This is yeah. very, very heavy-handed symbolism on this. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's puzzle that's going into the pool and yes. puzzle is the one that's going to be wearing this coat. Like yeah. shift isn't making a change. Shift is saying the same puzzle is the one that's going to be changing after this encounter. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is, it's, it's a very heavy handed symbolism there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, it is the pool at the base of the waterfall. So he's getting thrown around by this waterfall of.
1: Force. But, he, but he eventually gets to the thing. He catches the thing in his mouth, comes and uh, brings it on shore. And Armageddon, what is it, Kristen?
0: It's a lion skin. It's a lion skin. It wasn't a talking lion, mm-hmm. but all lions are kind of solemn, right? It deserves a burial.
1: It, you would That's think That's so. what Puzzle says. You would think so. Uh, Puzzle says, "I wonder who killed it, it I'll be buried." And Shift immediately is like, "Oh, it wasn't a talking lion. Don't don't worry about that. Like he just knows this right away." Yeah. wasn't a talking lion uh, no talking beasts up beyond the falls that's up in the west there's nothing you know, nothing worried, nothing to worry about up there um, <clears throat> which by the way is true apparently a hunter uh, a man had killed and skinned this lion somewhere up in the western wild uh, several months before that doesn't come into the story that doesn't matter yeah um,
0: but Lewis wants to make sure that we know that this wasn't a talking lion
1: yeah Why'd he get rid of the skin? Like, did he kill the lion for lion meat? And like, what's, what's the, I don't know. I don't know
0: either. Um, I don't know what to tell you, dude.
1: No, well, it doesn't come into this story. doesn't matter. No. Uh,
0: <laughs> Except for the fact that the skin is here. Mostly whole.
1: Puzzle's just like, well, even if it was a dumb lion, shouldn't it get a decent burial? You know, I mean, we should honor lions because, you know, you know who. Yeah. He who sh- yeah,
0: who- he who shall not be named. I was trying
1: really hard to say that phrase. He who shall not be named is apparently a thing I struggle with.
0: It does seem that way.
1: C.S. Lewis lost his thesaurus.
0: You got it. I
1: did. You've was a only struggle. been
0: practicing all week.
1: Yep. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then Shift's is like, no, no, that's stupid. Like you this is why you don't come up with ideas, because you know, we could we could do so many more useful things here.
0: We could serve Aslan's will. Which, Aslan's name isn't mentioned in the chapter, if I recall correctly.
1: No, it is several times. Oh? Yeah. Uh, in two paragraphs, and then okay. it just says, Puzzle's right. like, I don't think it would be respectful to the great lion to Aslan himself if an ass like me went to be about dressed up in a lion skin.
0: All right. I, mm. I just feel like it was very intentional that they started with, like, you know who.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um... So, yeah, Shift is just like, yeah, we're going to make a code out of this for you. That's the, in you know, the intelligent thing to do with this. Very useful lion skin. Uh, yeah. Puzzles very against it. Uh, and then Shift gives him a hard time and manipulates him further and, like, really lays on the guilt tripping here. Yeah. Uh, which this is a This is a hard one for you. It's
0: very hard for me. <sighs> I can't, I have a really... Yeah. I'm, like, completely disconnected from this. I don't want to talk about it. Like... Well.
1: Well, it, it seems like Shift is going to continue being a character throughout the book. So. Yes,
0: I just don't want to engage <sighs> with his his manipulation of Puzzle.
1: Mm-hmm. But Shift has a lot of work to do. So he's like, you know what, Puzzle, you need to go off to Chippingford because it's market day. And there might be some oranges and bananas down there. And we need those. So he sends the very t- tired and cold donkey off to Chippingford to check out the market uh, while he gets to work making this coat. Uh, and he's a very clever ape, and uh, the dwarves taught him to sew. So that's of how, course. that's how he knows this.
0: Yes. Uh, Those dwarves.
1: Uh, famous seamsters, the dwarves. Yep. Um, so he goes up and gets to work on this, uh, and is kind of paranoid about being seen. So yeah, eh. he keeps
0: hiding from any birds that go overhead. But he sees no talking animals the whole time that he's working on this.
1: Yeah. He lives way out on the outskirts in Arnia. Not a lot of them out there, but he's uh, he's really worried about being caught.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so he puts this thing together, uh, and I think it. I think there's something to be said here about um, the the coat not being able to fit because it does go into this description about how he has to like cut head the out. head off and like. You know, cut out basically. a
0: section of the back and make and, a neck and, and collar that'll yeah
1: and, and desecrate this lion skin so that it's going to fit puzzle yeah and like has to change the nature of it so yeah allegory <laughs> beating you over the head with it um but anyway he gets but what does
0: that symbolize i mean like
1: Well, let's let's get into it because this is a really meaty of the chapter because this whole thing is that shift is making the lions it finds the lion's coat makes a or finds the lion's skin makes a coat out of it for puzzle to put on because he wants puzzle to pose as aslan. Um, Yeah. And in in the allegory here, let's I mean let's talk about the allegory. Who who is who and what are shift and who and what are puzzle?
0: I mean, I don't know because we have a very. We have demonstrated very very well in this chapter that puzzle is being manipulated and controlled. Yes. So if we're talking about who's going to be misleading people, like if we're if we're talking end times and like revelation mm. type stuff. Yeah. And symbolism and and heavy carrying of that. Like we have this kind of idea that this is like the antichrist kind of figure but we also show that puzzle is deceived yes. and that puzzle is going to be the instrument of the deception of other people yes and so i don't know like is this is so, this a political leader is this a religious leader what is puzzle supposed to represent here because yeah. I, he's not he's not anything at first
1: is my first thought was is puzzle like you know, the misled congregations, like shift is some sort of, uh, you know, manipulative, like very, <clears throat> uh, self-serving religious leader or religious figure, even a church and puzzle is, uh, a congregation. And, you know, the, the leaders are coming to them and saying, oh no, this is how you be like Jesus. Yeah. This is, this is how you follow him. And it's wrong and at at some level they know it's wrong but they're too deferential to authority to challenge it.
0: Yeah. I mean that that seems fair.
1: Mhm. And this is, you know, the the church in the last days getting the message wrong for its own self-serving purposes and being like, "Oh no, this is this is what Jesus would want if you did this." Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which I mean is very the the phrasing and the practicality of it is like terrifying. They're putting on the skin of a lion here,
1: uh-huh.
0: and it's gross. But uh-huh. then we also have like the actual like religious talk about being like Jesus or you know, yeah, eating the flesh and blood. And is that like as that like, yeah, as Jesus? Well, you're the one who's calling Puzzle a church, so. <laughs> Um, we'll go with the Aslan Jesus on this. Uh, and, like, but, like, Puzzle is dressing up like Aslan. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, to be fair, is what all Christians are told to do. is to act like Jesus. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. Uh,
1: <clears throat> but yeah, he's doing it wrong. But the, the why of this. So, Schiff makes this coat gets it put on puzzle even though he really doesn't want to put it on uh and you know as it's you said in your summary he could be mistaken for a lion if you'd never seen a lion before and he was really far away and didn't make any sounds yeah you know which which seems kind of at odds with what they're trying to do here because he kind of has to like speak as aslan in order for anything to happen here and like appear to people yeah so how how this deception is really gonna work i mean we'll see i guess
0: but (laughs) i mean there's also a lot of Uh, historical evidence from our stories in Narnia that Aslan appears at a distance and might interact with like one or two people and that's yeah. he's very he's been very distant from a lot of the population
1: Yeah, I bet previous characters from other books are going to have to come back and they're going to be the ones to see through the deception because they've actually met Aslan and they're going to be like no that's not Aslan I bet that's going to be a plot point maybe Um, but Puzzle really, really doesn't want to do this. So Puzzle has a strong moral character, uh, or at least he's, you know, very hesitant about taking on the mantle of Aslan. Yeah. Uh, and the shift is just like, but we could change things for the better. We could, you know, improve the world. Look but
0: everything's at- great and fine.
1: But there are no oranges and bananas. And then Puzzle says, "I don't think anyone but your. I don't think there's anyone but yourself who wants those sorts of things." Yeah. Which is another one of those lines where I was just like in the allegory, what are what are the oranges and bananas here?
0: I mean, like, it's just selfish pursuits. It's just what he wants. Huh. I think I don't know.
1: Uh-huh. but puzzle is just being like, no shift. what you want is is selfish. Nobody wants these things. you are yeah, you are looking out for yourself here. And we established over the course of this chapter that I, puzzle isn't stupid.
0: He has, he's the, he says the right thing a lot, and then Schiff talks him out of it.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, Puzzle is, like, easily manipulated uh, and emotional, but he's not a stupid character at all. Yeah. Um. So, there we go. Somehow somehow Schiff convinced him that he's dumb. Um, and then talks him into it because, hey, there's sugar. And he's just like, yeah, I'd want more sugar. Sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is sugar money here in this allegory?
0: <laughs> I stopped, just stopped well, at the allegory.
1: It, it's so heavy, though. I want to pick it apart because, like, that's the point. I, I feel like the the only thing, like, I've heard a couple things about The Last Battle as a book, and one of them being that it has a lot of this very allegorical, very symbolic imagery. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of it apparently gets very disturbing for a children's book. Yeah. Um. And so I think, think it's really worth... Spending time talking about what Lewis is actually trying to say here.
0: Well, maybe, maybe the ape is just an ape. <coughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the,
1: cur- the curtains
0: are just blue.
1: Maybe the curtains are just blue. But anyway, Puzzle finally gets convinced to put this coat on. uh And w- once this happens, what happens? There's some signs. Yes. That come up in your summary uh, yes, of there being just a,
0: a th- great thunderclap right overhead, and the ground trembled with a small earthquake.
1: Almost as if there's a, it's a sign or a warning or they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, which Puzzle mentioned and Shift is very quick to be like, oh no, that's uh, that's exactly what I was just about to ask for. This is the sign that I was going to say, hey, Aslan, if we're doing the right thing here, really want a thunderclap and a small earthquake.
0: But the sign got here before I could ask for it. Uh-huh. Which means.
1: <laughs> which obviously, you know, Aslan's on our side. What we're doing is the right thing. Totally. Uh, and he says the last line in the chapter, which I thought was worth noting as well, which is what could a donkey know about the signs? And I feel like this is a callback to our sign imagery from the last book, where the signs were very important.
0: And I took it to be, so that's that's interesting that you talk about the signs in the last book because I took it as a sign as a reference to um, in the Old Testament, in in numbers, the story of Balaam. And the donkey that talked to him, Uh Um, where Balaam was going off to, uh, was being summoned to, I think it was to curse the Israelites or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And on his way, uh, an angel blocked his path, but he couldn't see it, but the donkey could. Mm -hmm. And the donkey stopped and wouldn't move forward. And Balaam beat the donkey. And then the donkey spoke. Uh Uh-huh. And, and was just like, you know, you're, you're about to die, and I'm just trying to protect you here. Uh-huh. And I feel like it took, like, th- this whole thing is like, all right, so, like, shift is like Balaam. Mm-hmm. Where he's, like, going to do his duty to hurt people. And he's using this donkey as a tool of that. But the donkey says, we shouldn't do this. Like, the donkey talks to him. Um, so I don't know it very specifically stood out to me in that way where it like kind of had some of that imagery and and feel to it okay, okay. for me.
1: Yeah I get you there. What could a donkey know about signs like puzzles yeah. the one seeing these things for what they are <sighs> well, I think shift is too. He's just uh choosing to ignore it. yeah absolutely <clears throat> Cool. What do you think? I mean, I I'm, I'm going to throw a little uh, spoiler for you know the last twenty minutes of the podcast out here. Uh, I'm I've decided to uh discontinue the baseless speculation segment.
0: Hold on. You can't do that.
1: <laughs> uh, for this book, just because like I I feel like this is the last book, and like there's not a lot of you know there's a lot of uh. There's a lot of directions we can go with the plot for this one. However, I think it would be... I don't know. I, I'm having trouble thinking of words this morning. I'm not I'm not—I'm necessarily not useful. Uh, I don't want to say a waste of time, but I think that... It,
0: but it would be a little bit of an exercise in futility since there isn't going to be more to the story after this.
1: Yeah, and there's only one where, real way this can end. Uh, so... <clears throat> i decided to replace it with another segment, which we'll go into. But that being said, I still want to speculate a little bit in, in discussing the chapter. And I know you're done with, like... You the... can't
0: have your cake and eat it, too.
1: <laughs> and I, I know we, we've really, like, harped on the allegory in this one. But what do we think it is that Shift wants here? Like, we know he wants to get something out of it. I don't It's know. not oranges and bananas. Like, And
0: that's the other frustrating part is that there's no motivation for him to do this. He is just a monster, which uh-huh. is why I don't think he would be a good villain because he is just controlling. He wants power and control. He wants to control puzzle. He wants to get what he wants without having to work. He just wants to be able to tell people, give me what I want. Uh-huh. And that's selfish and stupid and has no deeper like meaning and I don't like it.
1: So, you think Chef doesn't have some sort of grand plan or scheme here? He's just like. I
0: think he just wants to control people, and he sees that he has control over Puzzle to the point where Puzzle will risk his life for him. Uh huh. Over something stupid that doesn't matter, that Puzzle doesn't want to do and is afraid of. Uh huh. And he sees that he has that much control over him. He could have that much control over other people, and that he can, you know, get what he wants out of it and just. All he has to do is tell people to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hate it.
1: But this isn't the Kristen analyzes her past trauma podcast. <laughs> that's on the Patreon. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the end of the chapter. Anything that we should have talked about that we didn't discuss? Or should we continue onward?
0: I don't know. Tell me more about the people in the in the town nearby. Chippingford? Yeah.
1: I don't know. They don't have oranges and bananas. That's all I know.
0: All right. Well, and that's they a, have bummer. a They have a market day. They do have a market day. Mm-hmm. And it is market day.
1: Yeah. Also, I feel like bananas definitely need a tropical climate in order to grow, and uh, Narnia is very much not tropical, so I don't know where they're shipping their bananas in from, but...
0: Who knows?
1: Possibly Callerman.
0: The help of the Telmarines.
1: <sighs> Could be. <laughs> All right. Should we move on here?
0: Maybe it's actually like the Marsh Wiggles.
1: (laughs) Famed banana growers. These these
0: river people.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, they're everywhere in Narnia. They do all the jobs associated with water and boating and everything. They really do. Yeah.
0: Everything. (laughs) They don't isolate themselves in their wigwams in the swamps. They don't. At all. Or the marshes.
1: Anyway. Should we move on to our next segment? Sure. Okay. What do we do for our next segment, Kristen?
0: Uh, I believe that this is the one where we read more sentences. We do. Okay.
1: Really, what most of the podcast is about is reading sentences in one format or another.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean... (laughs) You have a point. Uh Uh-huh. So this next one is our rewrite. As you and I go through the chapter, we also select another five sentences to rewrite the chapter and try to tell a new story. Stop reading mine.
1: I was just noting how short your rewrite is. Stop reading
0: it. (laughs) Okay. Stop reading it. Okay. And so we will try to tell a new story with the sentences out of the chapter. And since you did your summary first, I'll do my rewrite first.
1: Go ahead. I haven't read any of it. I was noting how short it looked on the page.
0: We must have a funeral. Must we? Said Puzzle. That. That would be dreadful. Said Puzzle. You are unkind, Puzzle. Said Shift. I'm not clever. Okay.
1: Okay. I feel like you kept the, the the dynamic kind of the same here. No, I step.
0: reversed it. Puzzle and is it. the one who doesn't want to have, do something kind.
1: Oh. Now I see what you're getting at there. Um, I mean, there wasn't... I I struggled with the rewrite of this one, uh, which is why it took me like a week to do it. Um,
0: a <laughs> week, I tried to huh? I
1: tried to sit down and do so it. So it it's kept... you
0: that made us late in this report. Yeah, very like, much. It wasn't our illnesses. It was you not writing your rewrite. Yeah, entirely. Entirely that.
1: Uh, and it was a struggle just because, like, so many of the sentences in this chapter are very contextually dependent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think the only real direction to go with it is trying to reverse character dynamics, which is what I also tried to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also used a sentence in common with you for a rewrite, which doesn't happen a lot.
0: The funeral one. No. Oh, really?
1: Um, but here is my uh, Last we- here's my take. Yeah. Late in the afternoon, Puzzle came back. He flung it down in front of Shift and stood dripping and shivering and trying to get his breath back. At that moment, came a great thunderclap right overhead, and the ground trembled with a small earthquake. And Shift's voice sounded as if he were just going to burst into tears. Must we? said Puzzle.
0: I like that. (laughs) I like that. Thank you. Good job.
1: So that was me, uh, my my take on Puzzle being this, uh, villainous figure. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so there we go. So anyway, um, as I teased about five minutes ago, <laughs> I've decided to do away with my baseless speculation segment of the podcast. Which, uh, if you're starting with this book, mean unless...
0: Thank you. Sorry.
1: Which, if you're starting with this book, uh, what would? First of all, you're weird, go back and listen to the first one. Uh, but second of all, what we what I used to do was since I have never read the series before, go in and talk about what I think is going to happen next based on the information in the chapter. Sometimes it got really silly, but uh, really I feel like appreciate I appreciate
0: how much time you're spending on this non-existent segment.
1: Anywho. So I thought it would be fun to create a new segment here uh, as our last one in the, in the podcast. And since the title of the book is The Last Battle, I was like, you know what? Why not make it battle-themed? So I'm still thinking of a decent name for this segment. I'm, I'm tentatively just calling it The Last Battle to be like meta and ironic. Um, so this is The Last Battle.
0: How about The Ultimate Conflict?
1: It could be The Ultimate Conflict. And for this one, I am putting together uh, like, a, like a March Madness-style bracket. And what we're going to do... Is we're going to have one-on-one fights to the death between various random characters in the Narnia universe. We're going to talk this out, we're going to figure out who would win, and at the end of this book we're going to figure out who is the ultimate champion of the Narnia universe and would come out on top in this battle royale. So to make this more interesting, there's a a couple of ground rules. Uh, First ground rule, no Aslan. Aslan is not in the brackets whatsoever. Uh, just because it would be too easy for him to win the entire thing because he's Jesus. So, skipping Aslan entirely. Uh, rule two, no Jadis. We're leaving Jadis out because I feel like that's also the, you know, that's his counterpart. Uh, she just demonstrates a lot of power and I feel like she would just easily win whatever conflict she goes into as well. So the two most powerful characters in the books, we are just gonna leave those on the sidelines because it's gonna be much more interesting to find out who would win and, uh, you know, A more normal conflict setting. And so I'm going to introduce a little scenario here and then we can talk it out. And this is one Kristen can also participate in because she doesn't really get to baselessly speculate because she's read the books before. But uh, I'm going to try to get her in on this one. Are you ready, Kristen? Sure. So here's our scenario. (sighs) Mrs. Beaver um, really needs a new sewing chair. Uh, like, the one she has is great, super comfy. One day, you know, maybe she ate a few too many uh, carrots and pine nuts and got up on it, one of the legs broke off. Uh, and so Mr. Beaver, being the dutiful husband he is, is just like, you know what, I need to make you a new chair. Haven't done a crafting project in a while. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen for our anniversary. And so one day he's going out in the woods, and he's like, I'm gonna go find some choice fir trees. I'm gonna take the best branches. I'm gonna cut down... Uh, whatever I need to to come back. Can I
0: cut you off? To, like time limit you? Like what? What are we doing on this? I'm
1: starting a scenario, and he's going to go off into the woods and cut down a couple fir trees. And he's uh, he's got some choice sticks. He's got some really choice wood that he's coming back to the uh, the. Th- Wait for it.
0: If you are doing this bracket style, I need I need to know who's fighting who and period. Like and, like.
1: Yeah, that's what we're getting at. So he's coming back to the beaver's dam. And on his way back, he's walking down the the side of the river.
0: Singing Do I Diddy Diddy dum Diddy do."
1: Doing that. And he gets bowled over. Like, out of nowhere, something comes out of the woods, just knocks him right on his butt. Uh, He drops all his sticks, they go in the river, they float down. He looks up, really confused. And who's standing there but Bree. Bree's on his way uh, to some very important errand. He wasn't looking where he was going. And looks down at Mr. Beaver and and just says something like, "Oh, so terribly sorry, but you really should look where you're going." I'm in war horse on very important royal business, and uh, you know it can't can't be can't be stopped by these these people going about their errands in the woods, not not paying attention, in this very haughty way that Bree would would say something, and Mr. Beaver gets really angry about this. And uh, long story short, they're gonna get into a fight. So. I
0: have a lot of reasons why I don't like the way that you're going about this.
1: Well, this is our first segment workshop with me. You thought it was a good idea when I shared this idea with you.
0: I think that it was a fun idea. I think everything that you just did undermines the integrity of the characters. I think it's. Fair I, to don't set up a a scenario, I don't need a scenario. I don't need a scenario. No, it doesn't. It okay. undermines the characters right. and it frustrates me. Okay. And it's also. 5 minutes of the lives of our listeners that they can't okay, get back. Okay, fine.
1: I thought it was clever. Well, but anyway, you
0: know what? You can get Nathan's opinion and we'll decide based off
1: okay. of that. Okay. So for the next for the next time I do this, we're not going to do any intro. We're just going to set up characters. But anyway, the first battle of of the the ultimate showdown here is Mr. Bieber versus Bree. Opening thoughts.
0: Mr. Beaver, Mr. Beaver will run away. That's what he will do, and he will survive. But Bree will win the fight because Mr. Beaver ran away.
1: Do you think Mr. Beaver is that cowardly? That's what
0: they did from the wolves.
1: Yeah, but they're wolves. That's, we that's have
0: a, evidence that that's what his character will do. Yeah, but
1: that's a predatory animal. Like, this is a horse. Like, it's a different dynamic. Like, I don't know. Uh, like, obviously, Bree has the size advantage here. He's a war horse. He's big. He's probably got like...
0: Beaver's really clever. Yeah, but what is he going to do? Like, is he going to drown Bree? Like, how is he going to defeat him? He's going to throw sticks at him.
1: He does He, he does have very... He, does he have could some, knock a
0: tree down on top of him. He could.
1: He does have some pretty intense chompers. And I think that's the crux of the matter here, is that I think in just a... You know, I think that's why the scenario is important. This and is like, why I
0: don't like the game Super Fight. You've just created the game super <laughs> fight is what you've done.
1: I've stolen the game super fight. Um but no, I, I think well that's why the scenario is important, because like I feel like in a random just like a drop of a hat fight, Bree's gonna win. He's got a thousand pounds on Mr. Beaver, like he could just kick him and he's it's done. However, I think at the end of the day, Mr. Beaver is more clever and it's kind of like, you know, a Batman scenario, where, like, Batman wins every fight if he has enough time to prepare. Like, if Mr. Beaver has enough time to prepare, he wins hands down. Because, like, he could set up all kinds of, like, elaborate traps and, like, you know, some sort of, like, he could control the battlefield. And just, like, you know, collapse half a forest on Bree and it's done. Uh, And so I think with with prep time, Mr. Beaver wins this. But in just, like, hey, you throw him into the ring, we're fighting let's get it done, I think we kind of have to go with Brie.
0: Yeah, it is context dependent. It absolutely is. Because, yes, you're right. If they're in the woods, then and if if people have enough time to to prepare. But what you need to do is have a set environment. Mm -hmm. You can't set up a context for every single one that's going to be different. Because then you're going to have, like... Mr. Beaver battling one of the sea people from the end of the world. And if they're in the ocean, like, yeah, they're going to... Mr. Beaver's going to lose. So what is the one environment that everyone is going to be fighting in?
1: <sighs> like, you
0: have to establish a baseline environment that every fight is going to happen in.
1: Uh, On top of Aslan's hal. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bree's going to win. Okay. Like because Mr. Beaver is going to have to run away. Mr. Beaver's going to survive, but Bree's going to win. What are the terms of the battle? Can they bring weapons? Can they bring tools? Can they can they leave the field of the of the battle and go knock down a tree? Like what you have to have the exact same conditions for all of them, the same rules for all of them. Otherwise, it is a completely pointless exercise. I mean, yeah. it's a pointless exercise <laughs> anyway, but, like...
1: So it's baseless speculation. It's
0: completely pointless.
1: Well, my my background rules when I was coming up with this segment, because, you know, I put hours and hours and hours of effort into this, obviously. My background rules were that for the context of the fights, uh, other than, like, unnatural aggression, the... The combatants have to act in character. And so they are only capable of things that we can reasonably say they're capable of based on the books and their character. They can use any and all skills, objects, weapons, or items that they are associated with. So like for Mr. Beaver, for instance, we know he's good at wood. Um,
0: <laughs> so and he building can things. use trees, but there's no trees in the battlefield.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe there's trees. I don't know. Like, that's... Well, and it, everybody uh,
0: has to have the same environment. Otherwise, yeah. it's not a good seated fight.
1: Yeah. That's true.
0: You need to work this out a little <laughs> bit more. And once you come just workshop it some, bring it back. Okay. Well... We'll go for, with a round of revisions next time.
1: Okay. Let's do that. I just thought it would be fun to introduce this.
0: Bree has moved on. Awesome. Anyway... <laughs>
1: I also feel like I need to make the brackets bigger because we need to make this last 16 episodes. That's, and I think that's, is that, is that what we got?
0: This is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13,
1: 14, 15 fights. Okay. Well, we've got 15. Maybe we can do a wild card fight at some point. We just roll a random dice and have somebody come back into the brackets. Whatever. Anyway, take us out. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss chapter one of the last battle. You can join us next week as we discuss chapter two, the rashness of the king. And if you want to interact with us between now and then, give Chris some pointers on his bracket fights. You can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can send us your uh, fan art of... um, Mr. Beaver crushing Brie with a tree at uh, chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also give us money at chronicle, at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast if you feel like doing that. Uh, we do not, in fact, have a Kristen Explores Her Past Trauma podcast there. We have nothing there.
1: But if you give us enough money, I could possibly arrange like a filmed real life fight between a horse and a beaver.
0: How much money do you think you would need to make that happen? <sighs> also I, I feel like that's so <laughs> so illegal and unethical, and bad like don't know um i can anyway, organize thank a, you for we... joining us today and until next time if you see something gold fall down a waterfall leave it be
1: i could organize a real life fight between a man in a horse costume and a man in a beaver costume where they both <laughs> they both created this
0: and in the beaver costume, though. That's just taking me back to the BBC versions of the... Uh, oh, it's traumatizing.
1: Um, and also, don't be a dumbass.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Am I bitter?
1: Seems so.
0: Well, you said, and then, and then coughed like you were about to actually say something. I didn't realize you were now. No, no it's so it's That's why I started eating. You. No. Yeah.
1: He who Yeah. Sh- <laughs> he who
0: shall not be named. I was trying
1: really hard to say that phrase, he who shall not be named, is apparently a thing I struggle with. It
0: does seem that way.
1: C.S. Lewis lost his thesaurus. You got it. I did. It's a struggle. Only been
0: practicing all week. Yep. Anyway. Well, maybe, maybe the ape is just an ape. <laughs> maybe maybe the, cur- the curtains are just blue.
1: Maybe the curtains are just blue. I know you're done with like. You the-
0: can't have your cake and <laughs> eat it too. I don't like arguing games, and this is an arguing game.
1: I lose this fight. I'm defeated. I'm just gonna go away. But this isn't a Kristen Analyzes Her Past Trauma podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's on the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kristen drinks for that one. Um,
0: This is the story of a girl... Cry to river and drown the whole world. She looks so sad in photographs. But I absolutely love it. When she smiles.
1: I look at it the whole thing that time.
0: Yay!